What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up podcast. And on today's episode, Dimitri and I are joined by Ward Hegler. Uh, Ward is the owner of Musket Powder Seasoning and is one hell of a dude. Uh, we recorded this episode actually right before we left for Utah, and we get into some pretty hilarious stories. Uh, so if you're in the mood to hear some hunting stories and looking for just a good laugh, then you're going to enjoy this episode. So be sure to check out Ward and what he has going on with Musket Powder over on his social media platforms give them a follow uh you'll be entertained and you'll get some awesome awesome musket powder recipes uh and and order some up because uh we use it in our household uh i know dimitri does as well so check them out and uh hope you enjoy this episode antler up All right, here we go. So we're live with another episode of Antler Up, and uh, man, we're we're excited. We have Ward Hegler on the other line. Ward, what's going on, brother? Hey, man, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome, dude. Well, hey, so right off the bat, Ward, let's talk about a little bit of who you are, where you're coming from, and uh, I mean, I, first off, obviously, you talk about musket powder. Um, even just before, just to even give you a little quick plug, obviously I shared uh, some photos the other day cooking some steaks up with it, but we, my daughter today, uh, she's six. She said, dad, I want some, some deer tacos. And I said, okay. So uh, I'd put some musket, the red label on those suckers t for today. It was awesome. So yeah. So talk about, man, talk about what your company is, who you are and uh, how you got into hunting brother. Sure. Yeah. I, I appreciate the, I appreciate you, uh, tell your daughter, uh, thank you. Um, so, uh, I grew up in uh, Arizona and then I, I've lived everywhere. And I think that's why I just, I'm so nuts about hunting is because everywhere I move, I just get inundated with the culture and I get, I make hunting friends and you know, you, you live in one state and you go to another, like for example, um, I lived in Arizona, so I grew up in Arizona. Arizona, and then I moved to Mississippi, and uh, we always field dressed muleys on the ground. And uh, I'll never forget this dude hands me a knife, and there's a deer hanging from a tractor. And like we've never had that luxury, you know. We've always had to pack deer out and things like that. This dude had a deer hanging from a tractor. My jaw was on the ground. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like I've never even seen a deer upside down. Like so, I had to. It was kind of like you know saying the alphabet backwards, you know, and not not that I've ever had a police officer ask me to do that on the side of the road, but <laughs> it's just like you had to sit there and think about it for a minute. And so like little little tiny differences like that. And then uh, like, you know, for example, shooting out of a tree that never, we never did that stuff in Arizona. They're doing it more now. Uh, and then I moved to uh, South Texas. Which, and I lived a couple other places in between. I, I worked in oil and gas for a decade. So, as they say, Iraq is a great example of it's here, <laughs> cold, hot. Uh, California was used to be a huge oil and gas production place, and uh, it used to be beautiful, but not anymore. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I chased rigs around for ten years, and now I live at home, sleeping in my own bed every night in uh, North Texas, and I hunt in uh, North Central Texas uh, near Waco, a small town called Iredale, and it's uh, it's a totally totally different ball game from South Texas. So it's just, I've had so much fun just traveling around and meeting people and, uh, and hunting all over the place. Uh, and I got into hunting cause my, my dad was pretty into it. Um, but he just wasn't as into it as I was into it. And this, uh, young couple moved down the street from us and I was like, and this guy had a kid who kind of moving in kind of like poking her head around. And it's just like, 
Elkhead, Elkhead, Deerhead. Like we're like, okay, this guy's legit. And uh, so he took me under his wing, and he and his son and I. He's got two sons. He and both of his sons and I have been hunting together since I was like I don't know fourteen. And um, we, uh, there, he is an absolute psychopath. So, and his son actually owns an archery store now, uh, Ross Outdoors. It's online. It's pretty awesome. And uh, so yeah, we've been uh, we've all been hunting together for a long time. And uh, so that that which actually hunting got me into uh, this is a smooth transition. Hunting actually got me into my business, which is a musket powder seasoning. Uh, I met some guys hunting in North Dakota when again chasing chasing work around, and um, they had come up with it um, through trial and error and through some uh, some some suggestions, I guess you could say. And I sat on it for about five years, and I told every year that I was going to, uh, they needed to do something with it. And then on the fifth year, I was like, I'm going to do something with it, and no one objected. So I said, fine, I'm going to do it. And uh, here we are. So I've been sitting on this. Let's see, I'm two years deep now, so I've been sitting on this rub for seven years. That's awesome, dude. I like that, you know, how you got into it just because of the hunting side of things. And actually, Dimitri even brought that up before we went live. He's like, you know, I wonder if he did this because of the hunting and, and the seasoning and type of stuff. Yeah, for sure. It was uh, it, it was made for hunters, by hunters type, you know, BS. But it, uh, I'll tell you what, we were selling it online to all these hunters. And then everyone's like, yeah, I put it on my eggs. And we're like, I'm sorry, what? And then it's like, yeah, I put it on my popcorn. I'm like, whoa, time out. And then it just erupted from there um i mean sometimes honestly man i I forget sometimes that we i have to like remind myself all the time that we started this with wild game because people ask me what's it good on and the first thing that used to be out of my mouth was wild game and now i keep forgetting because the list gets longer and longer and longer so it's uh some guy sent me a video of him covering his ice cream with it i would not suggest it i haven't (laughs) tried it he was nuts. So, I mean, the good on him. If that's, if that's what he likes, go for it. I, I've never tried it and I don't plan on it. That's but, like uh, people that put yeah, salt we, on we, watermelon. We right. Right. But <laughs> if, if I were to pick three things, I'd say a quality steak, a wild game and any like kind of breakfast, any breakfast item that comes from an animal, be it sausage, bacon, eggs. Well, that's what I think right now. There's a huge market, especially around the wild games meats, because more and more people are getting into hunting. And you know, you talk to a lot of people, especially that grew up hunting, and they, you know, their parents or their grandparents, what they do to throw it on a frying pan, try to cook it. They always said, "Oh man, that was so gamey." You know, if you taste gamey meat, you just don't know how to cook it, and that's the thing what people don't understand. And you know, it's it's a delicate meat, so you got to season it and and prepare it correctly. And I think right now is a huge market for seasonings and a, a product like that, and really teach people about the you know cooking aspect of wild game. I think hunting gets a little bit of a bad rap that we're just out there trying to kill animals and and get a trophy. But it's a little bit more than that now. I mean, we're trying to feed our families and, you know, talking about during the pandemic. I mean, this is a perfect example of trying to provide for your family at that time using, you know, meat you harvested out in the wild. Yeah, we, um, I'll tell you what, uh, there's a wild game animal that, and I, I don't know how much hate mail y'all get, but this will give you some hate mail that I do not like. And it's, I don't like wild boar and i think it's because we've killed and eaten so many um i can't stand them uh we kill i kill like one a week sometimes it feels like and then sometimes we'll kill like 10 a week i swear to god it, 
they're everywhere. And uh, the, if I cover that thing with musket powder, it's doable. Um, so there, there's that. Another thing we're doing this weekend is uh, we're filming it this weekend. We're going down to the river. My buddy's got a dock, and we're going to uh, uh, take a bunch of red label, and we're going to uh, crawfish season down. Down here is oh, shrimp is uh, is still good. To, one of the ingredients is coffee, so the hot water is gonna like you know make that coffee kind of trigger ignite, if you will. So it's gonna. We did a small batch of it because we're doing like like thirty pounds, so we don't want to ruin thirty pounds of shrimp over an idea. So we did a small batch, and it was awesome. So we're gonna do a big big batch this time for a bunch of folks. So it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty cool. We're excited. That's awesome, dude. Well, dude, I want to know because when you look at your social media, like your personal one, aside from musket powder, I mean, first off, you're funny as hell uh, with, with some of the stuff you post. So that that's has given me a good laugh and during this time. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, throwing in, dude, you you're hunting like you said all over and all different types of animals. So you know, talk about what you did even this past season. Uh, no problem. So this past season, you know, I've always liked turkey hunting and I, I actually got really, you can really, uh, if this was a therapy session, I could probably say it all started. Uh, I killed a turkey when I was a little kid, the rifle, my <laughs> long story. Uh, it was legal. And, um, the, uh, I remember there was a cowboy who worked on this ranch and I asked him if he could help me clean turkey. And he looked at me like I was insane. And, uh, <laughs> So he was a good dude, and he pulled out his knife that had probably never been cleaned. It probably just got done castrating a you know bunch of bunch of cows and a uh, bunch of bulls. And uh, he uh, he breasted that turkey out for me, and I flew it from Texas. I was a kid. I flew it from Texas to Phoenix, where I uh, lived, and I had this big wild game dinner. And my parents, bless their heart, I sat down and, and ate it. And I. To this day, I don't know if it was good or bad, but I know that everyone's played clear, and I was very, like, attentive. Uh, looking around, the two people are eating it, and they're probably feeding it to the dogs. Who knows? <laughs> um, but that you, you can definitely say that's where it, where it got started. So kind of tangent there. But uh, this year, um, where I hunt, uh, this is my fifth year hunting there, and there's always been, like, a turkey or two. And I was pretty into turkey hunting when I lived in Mississippi, and then I got out of it. I haven't been to Mississippi in, like, eight years. And... Um, for some reason this year, we must have had a killer hatch, and we just had birds everywhere. So I had to blow the dust off my turkey calls and maybe upgrade my gear a little bit. And I chased turkeys pretty hard this year. Um, one of your guests, uh, John Mulligan, came out, and I don't know. I haven't listened to his podcast yet uh, on this show, but I, I don't know if he mentioned this. I don't want to be repetitive, but we uh, we set up a did – he, did he tell the story? No, he didn't, so go for it. Oh, okay, okay. I don't want to repeat myself. Or him. him. Okay, so so John came in town and he was on this quest for killing all the turkeys with a bow and his plans had been shot, um, had sh shot to shit. I say that, uh, had been shot down pretty good. And, uh, I said, man, I got some birds. I'll put you on some birds. And, uh, so I, you know, I started talking with John more and more and I found out like, man, this guy was really into turkey. Hunting. Like, for example, I go turkey hunting and not see anything. Be like, oh, well, we'll just go drink beer and catch panfish. Like, who cares? <laughs> and um, I was like, man, I got to get this guy on a bird. And, like, I cannot. And, like, with a shotgun, I wouldn't be worried. But this guy's using a bow. I'm like, I cannot screw this up. So I was nervous and stressed out. And then COVID happens. I'm like, hey, this dude's going to come and he's going to give my father-in-law COVID. And then my, he's going to die and my wife's going to hate me. Like, not that I overthink. And, um, 
he was like, I told him, I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's that way about 300 yards. And it explains why I miss all the time because it was like, and um, we get in this blind and we're, we're real quiet. And I was like, yeah, they're going to roost in this tree, which I'd seen them roost there. That was confirmed. And they're going to fly down here, which I'd also seen. That was confirmed. And uh, sure enough, we're kind of like talking, setting up this blind. And those turkeys gobbled. We were under the tree that they were roosting. And we were like 20 yards right. And we were so close. So we're like, oh, crap. So we basically used like Navy SEAL hand signals in the dark to until we set up. And those birds, they uh, came down from the roost. They pitched down right in front of us. The sun was was just coming up. I mean, it was legal shooting. Now, we looked it up. Like, it was like one minute past legal shooting time, and an arrow flew and just stuck this bird right in front of the blind. It was perfect. Yeah. And uh, needless to say, we started drinking beer at like at, <laughs> shortly thereafter. So we it was we had a great trip. So we I, I turkey hunted quite a bit. If, if you look at my Instagram page, there's some good funny stories on there about turkey hunting. Uh, on my highlight reel on hunting twenty. I just got my ass kicked by birds, but I killed my biggest bird. It was 11 and a quarter. And then um, on the deer hunting side of things, I killed an absolute monster buck two years ago. So I'm not upset about not getting a giant one this year. Um, And I was hunting with a recurve quite a bit this year. So my deer season was a little slow. I I put a few down, but nothing crazy. And then um, right now, summer, we're just shooting pigs, uh, trying to call coyotes. It's hit or miss. and I'm getting fired up. Uh, I just put a bunch of trail cameras out, so I'm, I'm getting ready to hunt again. And uh, I got a duck dog in training right now. I just dropped her off training. I just went to Kansas to hang some deer stands. So, man, when I'm not hunting, I'm getting ready to go hunting, basically. That's freaking awesome. So what else? So you talk about Kansas for this upcoming season. What else is in store then for, for 2020? Uh, I've got a baby coming uh, November 19th. So I'm like a good father. I'm already disappointed. <laughs> you, you should know better uh, fishing uh, season an inopportune time <laughs> <laughs> you should know better you got to plan that out you know no october november yeah, no so go they, you got to plan the months out ahead of time that's what i did <laughs> I, uh, yeah and you know i would have done that if i was like 22 but my wife and i aren't getting any younger so i mean we just had to we had to smash and go as much as possible. Um, <laughs> sorry if you're listening, mom. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we, we just had to get it done. There was all these memes that are like, you know, don't just because, you know, it's Valentine's day, don't forget what happens in nine months. And those memes were true. They, 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 they were more true than, than any other PSA I saw. But, um, and I got, uh, I got drawn. Of course I got drawn for some impossible tag. Uh, the day after Christmas, I'm going to Kentucky for elk. Uh, I got oh my but the God, good news geez. is it's a cow elk. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cow elk. So I don't, you know, I'm not going to like see some bull and pass on it. I'm just going <laughs> to see the first cow elk and in theory, crack one off and shoot it and drag it out. Um, so that's going to be a brutal, dr- it, I'm only doing, if it was like New Mexico or something, I'd, I'd probably be like, you know what? I'm not going to do it, but because it's Kentucky, I'm doing it. Right. Uh, and my wife's pretty cool. She understands. So I'm, I'm going, it's the day after Christmas. So it's going to be brutal. Dude, I got to say real quick, the one the other day you had me in tears uh, on your Instagram story when you were t- uh, talking about the body armor charge. <laughs> <laughs> I just about pissed yeah. myself. I saw that. I'm like, oh, my yeah, gosh. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm like, I could so relate to that stuff, dude. Yeah, I uh, 
so not to get, you know, not to put on my tinfoil hat so early, but, uh, you know, let's just face it. There's some legislature in, in our United States government that tries to, to ban really cool stuff like, you know, semi-autos and high cap magazines. And now they're aiming for body armor. And I was like, I'm not putting up with this crap. I'm just going to buy it now. So I'm not scrambling to buy it. And I, I thought I'd put it on my personal credit card that my wife never knew about. <laughs> and, um, I actually put a family credit card and my wife's tinfoil hat is, is bigger than mine. So it was an easy sell. I was like, look, here's the thing. When Joe Biden, you know, blah, 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 Beto O'Rourke and blah, blah, blah. She was just like, say no more. Like <laughs> so it's on the way. That's the best dude. I love it. Yeah. yeah but that whole, that whole little Instagram story, that was sincere. I mean, I walked right into her office, that big thing of pasta. And I was like, hi. And she's like, <laughs> I mean, that was, that was legit. I'm not going to stage something for, for a laugh. Dude, that is the best dude. I, so what other good, uh, storytelling, man, could you get into like that one with John is pretty epic. Oh man. Um, well, gosh, I wish I would have thought about this. <laughs> okay. I can, I can tell you this story. Uh, all right. So I was in North Dakota and, uh, I had a buddy and he was involved in politics, but like backdoor politics, he wasn't like a politician. And he said, look, I'm going to this fundraiser in Montana. I'm like, I'm on like seven hours. He's like, all right, you know, I'll pay for everything when you, or, you know, we'll put it on the company card. He worked for a consulting firm. When you get here, like your hotel, everything, just, you know, put some gas in your truck and, and get to Billings and, and bring me a shotgun. I don't even have a shotgun. I was like, yeah, no problem. We're going, he's like, we're doing a pheasant hunt. And, uh, I was like, who's this with? And he's like, it's with uh, Congressman Ryan Zinke, who was at the time uh, Montana congressman. And then Trump had him on his cabinet as a uh, department of interior. So like the public land guy. Um, and then he got fired. But anyways, and then uh, the other congressman was Richard Hudson, who was, uh, he is uh, North Carolina's congressman. And he's a guy really deep on the uh, um, universal carry bill. And so He's like, yeah, there's some guest speaker, some like, some like motivational Navy SEAL speaker or something. I'm like, okay, cool. We roll, I roll up, we just hunt, and like I'm rubbing elbows. Oh, and the reason why he invited me because my buddy's not good at at hands and kissing. He's not better at it than he is. I'm not gonna say I'm good at it, but I'm better than he is. And uh, so we roll up, and I, you know, I do the bullshit and tell some jokes, and and we do this hunt, and it was a lot of fun. And then we go to this dinner and this, there's this motivational speaker. It's this Navy SEAL guy. And this guy starts talking. And I looked at my buddy and said, that's Rob fucking O'Neill, the guy who <laughs> killed bin Laden. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it is. I'm like, holy shit, okay, this dude's like a national icon. And so he's giving this speech to like a group of 15 people. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like so awesome. So he tells this whole story and we eat food and blah, blah, blah. And then we – I go up to my hotel room and I was like, Hey dude, I'm going to go downstairs and, and crack some drinks at this like historic bar. I'm like, you want to come? He's like, no, I don't feel well. So I went down to the bar and there's Rob O'Neill sitting there by himself. So I was like, Hey man, I, you know, I was in the thing, and, you know, can I buy you a drink? And Rob O'Neill and I start talking and we start just taking shots and we start one thing led to another. And then his phone started ringing and it was, it was, it was an incoming FaceTime call. And it was, it said kid rock. And he goes, do you want to talk to kid rock? I'm like, fuck. Fuck. <laughs> So I answered the phone. So I answered the phone. Kid Rock looks me dead in the eye. He goes, you are not Rock. Listen, Mr. Rock, I need to talk to you. 
and I told him the whole thing. You know, I, you know, I'm a big fan, blah, blah, blah. So then him and Rob got, and so long story short, I partied all night with Rob O'Neill and we went to a bunch of bars and it was a uh, cosmetologist, which is a hairdresser, cosmetologist graduation party. So that, I mean, holy <laughs> shit. And, uh, the next day I called my girlfriend, I called my girlfriend, who's my now wife. And, uh, I mean, she and I were dating. She wasn't even my full on girlfriend. And, uh, I told her the story and she's like, wait, which congressman? And I was like, Richard Hudson. She's like, North Carolina. I go, yeah. And she goes, yeah, my sister's worked for him for like the past 15 years. He is my nephew's godson. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, anyways, I had to think, was I well-behaved? Like, is this guy going to report back? Like, this dude is a total scoundrel. Anyways, so I was well-behaved, according, uh, according to the congressman. I don't remember, but that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. No, man, that's awesome. I love it. Just uh, love good stories. Dude, so uh, tell me a little bit more about the, how, the Kentucky elk drop. Like, how did that one, like, because – Come oh, about. I have a, uh, I have a, my, I have a file cabinet at work with every single, well, almost every single draw state. I follow this one page on Instagram, and it's called, um, uh, it's like at Hunt Reminder or something like that. And I turned on its post notifications, and so every time it makes a post, you know, it goes ding. And apparently, there's a lot of draws that I never even knew about. A lot of them are resident only, but um, I keep a folder. And I put in for every single thing you could ever imagine, but it also gets kind of expensive. So you got to pick and choose. Cause like you'll be out, you know, 2,500 bucks and then it'll be like six months before you get that money back. So sometimes it gets a little pricey and then, you know, sometimes it happens when the same time your transmission spits out. So things like that. Um, but I put in for all these States and I call it my hunting retirement plan. So that way one day I'll have like 10 bonus points here and 10 bonus points there. And I'll be like, you know what, this year I'm going to put in, you know, full balls for uh, pronghorn Utah, you know, and not put in some like impossible draw unit, but like, you know, a good unit and I'll have, I'll be out of state. I'll have all those bonus points right now. I don't have the time and money in the, in theory, I'll have time and money. Who knows? And um, I can just start cashing them in. So I do like New Hampshire, um, Vermont, Maine. Uh, do you do got, PA? North, I, I don't. And here I meant to tell you that I've been trying to uh, slide this one in. I drilled uh, wells in PA, and when they told me I was going to Pennsylvania, I was pretty butthurt, and I couldn't like I didn't want to leave. I mean, the winter was brutal, but the the spring and summer were. I loved it. I'm jealous of y'all. Yeah, we have some like world class elk up in Elk County area. It's friggin' nuts. It's it's bizarre. I know. Uh, what's been really cool though is you know the herd's been getting you know stronger and better over the last couple of years. And I know last year was the first year they introduced archery only, and they did it during um, like an archery only season. It was during the rut, like like smack dab that middle late September. And uh, the first person that to shoot a, an elk with a with, with his bow during that time, dude, it was a world-class, yeah. just tank, just unbelievable bull. Yeah, I've, I've done archery elk a few times. I've never killed with my bow. I've killed a handful of my rifle. I've gotten drawn for those archery hunts, and it is the coolest outdoor experience. I can't think of – it's like if turkey hunting – if you – if you if turkey hunting had a way – if you if you 
smoked meth and went turkey hunting. <laughs> like that's what it would be like. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. You have like how, how family friendly is this podcast? Cause I'm about to give a comparison. No, you're good, man. Okay. When you call in that bull, he's on his way to fuck you or fight you. And either way, it's, it's going to really, really hurt, and you better be on your fucking toes. I mean, it is insane. I absolutely love it. I could do it. If, if I if I had to guide archery elk hunts the rest of my life, I'm sure some elk hunting guy is just, like, rolling his eyes right now, but I'd do it. I mean, it's just so exciting bringing those giant bulls in. Yeah. But that's what everybody talks about. I mean, even just from when you see, like, individuals that aren't, like, obviously on Sportsman's Channel or whatever, and they're getting down and, and gritty in there, uh, and like some of the techniques, how they're just raking trees and going after it. Like some of these bulls, like you said, they're coming in hard. And we were originally going to go, we're coming out to Utah yeah. here and actually, you know, a couple of weeks to hunt mule deer. And we were anticipating, anticipating probably getting a elk tag as well. Cause the unit is over the counter, but we decided to just stick with the mule deer. But man, I, I, I think once we come out there and we get that bug, we're going to just want to come, come back out there and try for elk just because I, I don't mind going back again later on and in, in later September when they're just full blown, just friggin' screaming their heads off. Yeah. When, when I was a kid and we, we lived at, we would draw a tag, but my dad would take us, you know, on, on my dad would take us uh, camping mid September and just to hear those bulls screaming. And I remember being a little kid tucked into my sleeping bag and just hearing those bulls screaming at the top of their lungs. And sometimes they're really far away. And sometimes they were so close that it scared the living shit out of you. And it was, uh, that is, that is one thing I absolutely miss about living out West is, uh, being able to, to just any September, whether you have a tag or not, just go out, go camping, you know, on a national forest and just hear that, hear that, hear those bulls screaming. It's amazing. Well, dude, here's a question for you. Cause it's something where, We've been asking, um, we've been getting actually a lot about it, just asking for, from our trip coming out there, uh, do we have anybody setting out trail cameras? You know, do you have any, what's your experience growing up in Arizona? Um, are you guys, like, are you a trail camera guy? I know you just said before you are putting some stuff out uh, not too long ago. With trail cameras in Arizona, it was, uh, it was risky because when I lived, lived out there. Um, I was a punk kid. I worked at a heavy equipment store when I could, you know, uh, summers, weekends, but not even week. Like as we, ironically enough, the guy who, uh, the guy who I worked for just called me <laughs> my old boss when I was a teenager. That's who just interrupted the call. And here I am talking about him. Um, the, uh, I, I put up trail cameras one year and one year, some 16 year old kid went to go check his trail cameras and every one of them was stolen. So I just, I don't, I don't really do it anymore. Um, if you're going to do it, you got to go, you got to be, you know, I was a kid, so I just put it at the first watering hole I saw. Um, knowing what I know now, I'd go, you know, so deep. And um, and they, they're obviously going to be way safer out there. But trail cameras, you know, things have changed a lot. But, you know, people have been stealing stuff since the beginning of the, the opposable thumb. So, I mean, it's, that's your own risk. People are going to steal it. And don't think your bike lock is going to keep it because people bring bolt cutters. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've had, I've had one camera stolen here in Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just unfortunate. Like you said, I was just curious to, cause people are like, Oh, do you have anybody? Cause 
we have a friend that lives nearby that's been kind of helping us out, giving us some information as as far as scouting uh, is concerned. But you know, somebody messaged us and we're like, "Hey, are you guys putting out cameras out there just to see?" And uh, you know, do you get any footage of mule deer? And we're like, honestly, no. <laughs> we're going in kind of blind and uh, find a couple spots on that that we think could be pretty good between Onyx and and Google Earth, and we're gonna kind of just get set up and, and go. Yeah. Um. That's true. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, and I think, I think you've got a, a good point there. And one thing that you mentioned, you know, getting your trail camera stolen isn't, you know, obviously the financial blow and obviously the inconvenience of like, well, I guess that was wasted time, but camera stolen. One thing that always gets me is that technically the guy who stole that, he and I have something in common and it's hunting. It's like, man, you know, we could have been friends, whether we liked each other or not, we, we had a common ground. And, it, and it's not just any common ground because we all have a common ground. We all wake up, eat, and go to work. But, you know, we the common ground of, man, I just love hunting. And and that's the part that always kills me when, when you get your stuff robbed in the woods, which has happened to me way more often than, than not. Yeah, man. Well, dude, I want to know, too, a little bit about your, uh, like you said, you're, you're going after some pigs right now because you said they're all over the place. What's that like? Because we've never had the opportunity to, to do that. Well, man, I'll trade you any day of the week. Uh, and I, they are, okay. So first of all, it's all, it's, it's accuracy by volume. Uh, secondly, you know, a lot of these older guys, we call them FUDs. They think that like going to the, like, they're like, you don't need no AR-15. I shoot 270. And you're just like, dude, you're missing the point. Um, I'm going to feed up to the tons of bitches will pop up out of nowhere and it'll be like 50 of them. And you, I mean, it's gotten to the point where we've, run them down with that can-am and like you run over three or four and then get out <laughs> and start shooting and you do there is no illegal way to kill as long as you have paperwork there's no illegal way to kill it the thermal's on alone because my buddy who's a hunting guide in canada obviously can't use it up there so he let me borrow it for the summer um but another thing we do is those uh, motion detector lights that uh people put in their on their front porch and stuff that turn on we'll put those over a bait pile and we'll sit in the deer blind and, um, and that's, yeah, and then they'll come in and we'll shoot. But the problem is that you'll get two or three rounds off and then they're out of the light and then they're, they're gone. So it's, it's, it's all about shooting as many as you can. And, um, unfortunately when those pigs are running, you try to take the best shot, but it doesn't happen all the time. So it's good to have your nine mil on you or, or something to finish them off because you don't want an expensive re or you know time consuming reload so i always keep a i mean it, it looks like i'm going my truck you'd think i was a, like an undercover something I, there's just so many rounds so many magazines <laughs> everywhere because we're always shooting it all all the time my favorite time to hunt them is march wait february to uh april because one the weather's nice two they kind of turn nocturnal during deer season because of all the rifle shooting and then all the hunters go home and they start daylight and then strutting around like they own the place. There's green grass. They go nuts. And, uh, Oh my gosh, that's when I just absolutely hammer them. That's when we beat them up pretty good. Well, that's it. I've always seen videos of them shooting them out of the helicopter and it looks like a blast. Have you ever done that before? No, I've done the poor man's version of that. Uh, I've done it from a fan boat. Um, (laughs) it was wild. There's, there's a video of it on my Instagram where I just get a perfect head on a running pig from a fan boat it's pretty sweet um so yeah it's (laughs) 
yeah, we, we, any, see, you can do it from a hot air balloon. Um, I need to find some guys to come like split the cost of a hot air balloon and do it with me. <laughs> That'd be so be much nuts. fun. Like, I, got, I got a buddy who is a, yeah, I got a buddy who is a, who is a sniper in, in the military and, and he would, I'd totally bring him just to call wind and stuff like that. Uh, I'm a decent long range shot, but I mean, you need, when you start getting five, 600 yards and stuff. So I think that'd be really fun. Well, that's what I even think for you having them around. I, I know it's a nuisance, but being able to practice arrow flight and new broadheads and kind of practice getting ready long range for, for elk and in the fall and going other places. I mean, there's no better practice than an actually another animal that you can take uh, throughout the whole year. There's a lot of research and development used on those pigs. You're absolutely right. Um, I was just thinking like I got busted so bad by a, uh, a giant buck last year in Kansas. Like I'm still losing sleep over it and rookie mistake of what I did. And so I'm going to go hang a tree stand. I was supposed to go this weekend. We're going to the river instead. I'm going to hang a tree stand and I'm setting it up and I'm like, we hog proof a lot of our, uh, like, um, uh, we run corn in Texas cause you can't grow anything. Like people turn their nose up at it. It's like we, um, stands now or one stand now, I'll soon to be two that aren't hog proof just for research and development on broadheads, uh, reloads, I reload all my own ammo. Um, and then uh, again, in my, in my arsenal, you know, I've got ARs and pistols everywhere. And I usually have a long range, like dial in rifle, um, with all the dope picked on the side. And so if there's one at like, you know, 800 yards feeding, he has no idea I'm there. I'll, I'll get out there and, pop a shot i'm not usually miss but every now and then you, you hit them so it's pretty fun well i think like even going off of like what both of you and dimitri just said what people don't realize from the outside is just how much wreckage <laughs> like the pigs do in all of their yeah. states that that they're running loose on they will eat anything they're absolutely disgusting i've gutted pigs before and threw the guts out in the past year and i've shot pigs off the gut pile the next day um so yeah i mean i they'll eat a dead skunk they'll eat uh they eat rattlesnakes they will eat anything so i'm sorry to beat that dead that, that dead pig but yeah and what you eat is usually what you taste like so if some guy is going to ha- shoot some pig that is bought from a, a feed barn that's been eating corn for the past two weeks straight it's going to be delicious and i totally agree with his hashtag organic wild boar bacon but um it's a different ball game down here bro <laughs> that's crazy that's unbelievable, man. What, um, yeah, no, if it's a small female, um, and especially a small female that's nursing, oh, I'll, I'll take it. I'll call my butcher because I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I know how to skin and field dress and all that shit, but it's one of those things where if you don't have time to do it and you got someone who will do it for really cheap, then take advantage of that. And I'll, I'll drop it off at the butcher any day if I shoot a small female. Now, how many pounds are you usually getting off a small female as far as eating meat? Oh, man, that is technical. Um, Gosh, I wish I would have thought about this. Let's see, you'll get like two ribs, two tenderloins, two hams. So let's see here, like 6, 12, 18, 24. I don't know, probably like 30 pounds on a small female. The yield's 
But then another thing we do is, uh, in le- hmm, it depends where it's been shot. Got it on there. We'll cook the the heads for like three days, and then you like pull. It's like Lord of the Flies. You like pull on the, the skull, and the skull and the the, the face will just completely melt off, and you make tacos out of it. That's the best pork meat you've ever had in your life. Nice. That's that actually sounds like. You know, when you let things yeah. go for, for longer than a day and but a half. this is, again, not some <laughs> giant. Yeah. Now, this is, again, the perfect pig. This is not some 400-pound boar. <laughs> it's funny. John Morgan, when he came, I set a bunch of tra- – yeah, I set, like, three traps because he was, uh, you know, requesting some some meat. And I was like, you know, we shoot these pigs. They're all running. So the chances of them being gut shot, you know, and, and shot multiple times because, like, they'll shoot. You'll shoot them and they'll roll. And you, you just keep, I always tell people, just keep shooting until it stops. And um, <laughs> John Morgan just texted me. This is crazy. Uh, I, better, I, w- I wonder why Kid Rock didn't text me. <laughs> um, so, uh, we, uh, we, sent the, we set this trap and we were walking up and the wind changed. And right when we were walking up on it, I caught the whiff and I just went, son of a bitch. Because I knew that smell and it was going to be, and it was, absolutely giant boar and this this son of a bitch could barely fit in the trap he was so big i have no idea what he was thinking like usually boars that big will walk past that trap i was like what were you thinking and so i was like you can't eat this i mean it is this meat will be the worst meat you've ever had in your life so yeah what um so we talked about too uh how we're coming out to utah to do a little bit of a mule deer hunt what kind of experience do you have chasing mule deer um, I killed a, I killed a Pope and young muley with my bow about one, two, three, four years ago. Okay. Um, we have one that's cool about Texas is that I understand when you say high fence, nice feeder, but like this, uh, the rain can't grow anything. Um, now if you go to, Southwest Texas, and I blindfolded you and said that we were in New Mexico. You would believe me. There are mountains, there are elk, there are mule deer, there's javelina. It is. It looks just like Arizona where I grew up. And uh, I have permission to hunt. Well, I've been. How about this? I get invited to hunt this ranch about once, once or twice a year, and I can make it. It's an eight-hour drive for me, so it's it's hard. Um, and I killed a 155-inch muley with my bow, uh, pure luck, um, one year. And he, uh, I'm, I'm super proud of that deer. Hit there, he, it was peak rut. And if it wasn't peak rut, he would have not let me get as close as I got to him. I got 50 yards from him, and, which is a little bit comfort zone, and um, let it fly. And I cut the right cord, and he he bled out about twenty yards away. Wow! Yeah, that was cool. That was a cool hunt. Um, and I got a, I got I was driving back, and all the uh, there was a uh, oh wait that was different. And I, I killed an elk out there too, and um, uh, same same ranch. And it's totally free range, high fence, or excuse me, totally free range, not high fence, uh, bugled him in. I didn't get him with my bow. I tried all week with my bow. And then on the last day I was by myself and I bugled this elk in 
and he just showed up and I could have easily drilled him with my bow and I just had a 300 wind mag. I was just like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it was the last day and I just drilled him with my wind mag and I packed him out. It was brutal. I packed him out by myself. I gutted him everything by myself. It was awful. Um, and that same elk, I had him in the back of my truck, the head in the back and I was driving uh, back and there was uh, there's five military bases, I believe in San Antonio. And they had some conference because all the general they had like uh, like a NATO, some small NATO conference. So there's like South Korea um, and a couple other countries. All their wives were there, and they had to do something with these wives. So they took them on a sightseeing tour in Texas, and they stopped at the gas station that's never used as a restroom. And then I pulled up to the exact same gas station, and there's this elk in the back of my truck. So these South Korean and Japanese wives had the cameras out like you can't believe <laughs> and I'm just sitting next to my elk just like like, like strutting and posing and uh, everyone wanted to get a picture with me it's like they'd never seen and they literally have never seen anything like that before right are y'all doing uh y'all are doing archery mule deer huh yeah yeah so we'll be like in uh vernal area northeast Utah so oh, going for opening day so we'll see hopefully we can get in on some deer early and get some uh pattern them a little bit and maybe uh try to put some type of stock on so vernal is an oil field town so there's going to be a, a lot of uh i've never been but i'm going to assume there's going to be well-maintained roads into areas that uh normally wouldn't be well-maintained roads so you can thank an oil and gas worker for <laughs> and there's um we use and now I, you know don't tell your wife I said this because you it is dangerous and you can die so use this information how you want to use it you know what I'm not even gonna say it actually I'm gonna say it you can get on top of those tank batteries like where they store the oil and use them as glassing points but uh, if there's a poisonous gas present which is possible it's called H2S you can die so I don't know we always wore an H2S monitor it looks like a beeper. Um, so we had one of those. That's when we did it. So I wouldn't suggest doing it unless you have one of those. So you might want to look into a, a H2S, an H2S monitor. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest it. In fact, I'm telling you right now, don't do it unless you have an H2S monitor. But they make great glassing points. Well, dude, tell me a little bit about the musket powder just because, you know, I, I want you to, to definitely talk about this because I got some in, in my hands. And uh, uh, like I mentioned to you before, you know, my undergrad has been in hospitality. So I love food. Actually, the first day that I got uh, my new uh, Traeger couple uh, last year, uh, I cooked some some dinner for, for Dimitri and his wife and everything like that. And uh, so I love cooking. I love doing all that type of stuff. And I'm a huge proponent of coffee in rubs. And I know that's something that you do have in there. So talk a little bit about the rubs and, you know, maybe I know you talked about like your three favorite dishes, um, you know, of what you could just sprinkle that stuff on, but, you know, talk a little bit about it and, um, you know, like how you, how you are, what's your favorite preparation, uh, for say a steak or for some backstraps or whatever, and, uh, what you use. Okay, cool. So, uh, one thing that I tell a lot of people, and I, and I didn't realize how many saltaholics there were in this world until I started selling seasonings. There's people out there like need salt. Um, there isn't a lot of sodium. There is salt in there, but not a lot. Because that being said, uh, you can. Everyone has salt in their house, and if they don't, they can go to a McDonald's and get some salt. I mean, there's salt everywhere, and uh, and uh, um, 
So anyways, there's not a lot of salt in it. So that way you can really cake on the seasoning. And uh, we've got it written on the bottle. It says completely cover, then add a little more. So that being said, you know, I'll see people reply back. I'm like, no, 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 no. The better your food's going to taste. And you can't over season it because there's not a lot of salt. Now, if you're a saltaholic, I know you got salt somewhere, so you can add more. Um, so that being said, when you're doing a piece of red meat, just pile it on. Like, I mean, just an obnoxious amount, pile it on. And the ingredients in there uh, will give, when the heat reacts to the ingredients, it gives it a crazy char, absolutely crazy. So it's like almost like bark. And then one thing you can do if you're into the reverse sear or you're into the, the sous vide cooking, one thing I do with that is I'll take the meat and I'll brush it with mayonnaise and then put another layer of musket powder on there and then throw it on high heat. And it's like you have to dig through that crust to get to that perfect medium rare meat. And it is, it's heavenly. So that, that is one way I strongly suggest using it. Um, the red, depending, like down here, you know, the red isn't really hot. Uh, some of our Midwestern customers uh, and, and North, Northern customers, it's like, it's like dangerously hot. They're like, Oh man, like it's like <laughs> kind of like tough guy hot. Um, so what, what, what's your, what's your opinion? Is it, is it hot? Like, what do you think? You're a Pennsylvania guy. Dude, I thought it was perfect. Like I said, I made it with the tacos today. My six year old just friggin' down her taco. So, I mean, I mean, at one point she did run out of Gosh. milk and she was like, I need more milk, you know? I've never had someone complain that it's too hot. I've had Southerners complain that it's not hot enough. Um, that being said, you, before you start caking that stuff on, you might want to be a little bit more careful and let your own taste buds lead the way. Um, so, but that is amazing. And for all the cooks out there, like cream-based sauces, like uh, etouffees, uh, scampies, um, uh, Alfredo sauces, any, any white cream-based sauce is crazy good with uh with the red but then also the simple thing leftover pizza eggs any meat uh macaroni and cheese it's phenomenal i got a customer who says that he boils the water with the red musket powder and then and cooks the the noodles in the boiled water with musket powder and he says it's the, the only way um we're and then seafood it's it's outstanding on, on seafood um and then the brown which was released a week ago is just like the original black musket powder, but it's a, it's a smoky addition and, um, it's a mesquite flavor. So anything that you like mesquite, so steak is good with mesquite and mesquite chicken, pork. I rec what I tell people to do is I give them like three things to try it with and then let their taste buds pull them in the right direction. And I always tell people with the Brown and I say, always been doing this for a week. So for a week, I've been telling people with the Brown to do uh, chicken, pork, and then like something kind of an oddball Mac and cheese. But you can't go wrong with all three products on breakfast food, uh, you know, breakfast uh, animal products, egg, um, and then uh, you can't go wrong with pizza. You can't go wrong with eggs, and then the rest is kind of up to you. Um, and you, we sell all three all the time. We sell packets of three. They, if you buy two or three or four, for that matter, the, the, the it's the exact same shipping. Kick ass, uh, American uh, pride. I'm a, I'm a huge Bozo logos is a Colonial Minuteman. Uh, filling his musket with musket powder. Uh, one of our logos is a World War II uh, flamethrower guy, but instead of like the acetylene pack back, he's got a bottle of musket powder. Um, I've got another logo that's a, and these are all in stickers, soon to be on t-shirts. Uh, it's a, a, a Navy sailor, World War II Navy sailor, uh, using, a, instead of a depth charge, on like, you know, for, for 
uh, hunting submarines. It's a big bottle of musket powder. So we sell all that stuff. That's we awesome. We sell a lot of stickers. Dudes love stickers. We sell so many stickers. Now, with your seasoning, especially with meats, do you recommend just seasoning right before you're cooking, 24 hours before you're cooking? How do you recommend using your seasonings? That is a great question. So with a lot of the commercial rubs, because salt is a huge factor, the salt can suck the moisture out. But since we have such low sodium in our meats, um, we uh, you can put it on. It can stay for a while because there's not, there's not a lot of salt in there to suck the moisture out. But one thing that I suggest people do is press it into the meat instead of rub it. Um, that, that's, that's a big one. Um, and then another thing I suggest that people do is to uh, pour about six or uh, like just pour a little bit higher than normal to, like, and dump it onto the meat. Um, there's a couple, I wish I knew the science behind it, but there's a couple, a couple barbecue dudes on YouTube. I'm a, have a big fanboy crush on and every one of them does that and otherwise it looks cool but it has a purpose and i think the purpose is that it disperses more uh, evenly and i've noticed a change when i hold it higher in in the flavor it, it, the, the the meat it allows you to press it in more evenly so because a lot of people just rub it in with their palm and that's that's the worst thing you can do according to these barbecue legends i follow they say they all recommend to press it that's good to know just because yep. i know we have some back straps that were defrosting right now and and getting ready to cook for these next couple of days so that that's something that i'll be doing uh, for sure brother and then we suggest uh we suggest taking any side i mean any side where it's a side of gravy macaroni and cheese um, potato salad macaroni salad any side and just dusting a thin layer of all three flavors over it and we promise you it'll make it taste better like absolute promise that's awesome. Well, man, hey, we're 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 right at that hour mark. Um, you know, where could people find you uh, and obviously find musket powder and, and give you a follow and contact you and, and get some some powder sent their way? Yeah, no problem. So I love and my wife makes fun of me all the time. I love talking to customers. I love it. Um, and I usually do most of my BS. It's musketpowder.com. And then our um, Instagram, Twitter. And YouTube and Facebook, I believe Facebook might have. You know, Facebook doesn't like me because it's they think I'm like selling guns. But um, I, we're all it's all at Musket Powder Official. So M U S K E T P O W D E R O F F I C I A L. I got nervous. I spelled that wrong. So you might want to fact check that. <laughs> awesome, man, dude. Ward, thank you so much again for coming on just to talk with us, to have a good laugh. And uh, man, I, I'm excited to. To, to continue to build and, and uh, see, see what you got coming up this upcoming season as far as hunting goes. And, uh, you know, as obviously, too, we'll see what else is uh, in the works for musket powder for you, man. And, uh, yeah, y'all come down and we'll do a hog hunt and a podcast. And then uh, I just need a spot on that Utah trip next year. Absolutely, dude. Anytime, man. That, we'll, we'll get that in the works for sure. Because, I, I, man, nice. we're, we're, we're down for, for traveling and getting uh, to hunt for sure, brother. Good, good deal. Good deal. Well, thanks for having me. Awesome, Orville. Hey, man, thank you again for coming on. Until next time, everyone, Antler Up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Just want to thank Ward for coming on. We had a really fun time, uh, as you can tell by the podcast. I hope you enjoy this one and lighthearted and uh, give you, put you in a good mood for today. Best of luck to everybody trying to fill those uh, last-minute tags during rifle season here in PA. And uh, best of luck to you. See you next time. Antler up.